Welcome to the Brands Thinking with Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. Wow, three weeks straight, and you're still listening to this podcast. I just got to say, I am very impressed with all eight of you loyal listeners, including my wife. This thing isn't even about serial killers or drug smugglers, and you still tune in to listen to my rants. I think I'll throw a John Benet Ramsey reference in this one to keep you on your toes. Speaking of which, why is no one covering the Lori Daybell case like we did OJ? This thing really deserves a lifetime documentary. As far as the wild world of sports, it was an absolutely one of those crazy weeks. Things kicked off on Monday when LeBron James did his best Richard Nixon impression by scolding the NBA for going forward with the play-in tournament for this postseason. Quote, whoever came up with that expletive needs to be fired. This is in contrast to comments he made last season when he said during the road tripping podcast in March 2020, quote, one thing you can't just do is go straight to the playoffs because it discredits the 60-plus games that guys had fighting for that position. You got Portland, you got Memphis, New Orleans, and Sacramento tinkering around there. So if there's five or ten games left, why not let those guys battle it out? Make them play each other all five games. Look, I know you're a politician, LeBron. We all get it. You think that Daryl Morey needs to get off Twitter and not care about the sanctity of human life, especially in Hong Kong, and that sometimes people ask you questions about political books that you're not really reading, but you're also blatantly holding them in your hands at a post-game press conference. But this flip-flopping, you really are making John Kerry look like the steady hand of justice. Just pick a side for once. Just because something does not go in your favor does not mean that someone needs to be fired for their crimes against humanity. James has also been in hot water after retracting his comments about Micaiah Bryant and her stabbing incident this past week. LeBron posted a picture of the police officer who intervened in the violent attack with the caption, You're next. Now, I'm not saying he should just shut up and play, as that would be asinine of me. However, if I were the face of the NBA and looking to gain more followers and higher ratings, I would probably post the phrase, you're next, underneath the picture of the Sacramento Kings logo promoting their next home game, rather than calling out a muffin top caught from Columbus who literally saved a person's life. With all of these side distractions, the defending champs are a game and a half out of sixth place, and at this point, will face Steph in the playoff game. Where are your priorities, LeBron? The Lakers are in a hot mess worse than when Roseanne was brought back to life by ABC. After being the consensus repeat champion favorite by the media, they have gone 2-8 and eight over their last 10 games and are in the 7th spot in the West. If this stands, they will play Golden State in the play-in game. They are a hot mess, no lie. Alex Caruso was flopping like he's on Broadway. Kyle Kuzma is still having identity issues with Marshall Mathers of the early 2000s. And Ben McLemore is actually one of their best players. It's a bizarro world out in L.A., I'm telling you. Meanwhile, on the other side of the globe, or from their point guard's perspective, the two-dimensional plane of the flat earth, both Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets were fined $35,000 for refusing to speak to reporters after their back-to-back losses to the Milwaukee Bucks. It must be really hard to be an NBA player if you can't show up for a Zoom call on time and answer a few questions. My 12-year-old next-door neighbor has had to do it for eight hours a day for the last nine months. The least you could do, Kyrie, is return the favor for five minutes after you make $13,225 per minute of your life.
The Nets, by the way, gave up sole possession of both first and second place in the East after giving up 154 and 126 points respectively to a very throttled Milwaukee Bucks team. Nets fans delusionally think to themselves that all will be right when James Harden returns from his injury, to which every other sane individual who watches basketball asks, have you seen the Bearded Wizard ever play defense in his life? Yeah, James Harden can score at will on absolutely anybody in probably the entire history of the game. However, it would make me a little bit nervous when his second most valuable skill is throwing money at strip clubs rather than defending the wing. Speaking of summer internships, reports have leaked that the Bucks, Portland Trailblazers, Washington Wizards, and Indiana Pacers will all fire their coaches at the end of the season, unless their teams do well in the playoffs. I'm not sure if this is motivational or just a formal notification that a pink slip will be coming soon, as the only team that has any shred of a chance this season are the Bucks. Let's be honest. But for small market teams like Portland and Indiana, that's not really a threat of endangerment as there isn't a long list of coaches who have this longing desire to move to a city that still thinks Jabot jeans with Doc Martens are still highly fashionable. Or on the other side of the country, move to a market on the coast that still doesn't allow fans in the seats, is the proud home of a vacuum museum, and hosts an annual naked bike ride outside their arena. When the hallmark of your city is a bakery that prides itself on making apple fritters in the shape of male genitalia, I would be counting my lucky stars that someone credible is sitting at the high table on my sidelines. I'm not making this up. The slogan for the city the Trailblazers play is Keep Portland Weird. There's an eight-season show dedicated to the band of veganite nutjobs that inhabit that patch of land on the West Coast. For a city that hosts the annual Santa Claus convention, you do not have the leverage to fire a guy like Terry Stotts. While we're on the subject of inevitable expeditions, current-slash-soon-to-be-fired head coach of the Washington Wizards, Scotty Brooks, said that he thinks Russell Westbrook will go down as the second-greatest point guard of all time. That's absurd, to say the least, especially because the man making the statement is a 55-year-old bow-tie-wearing man who goes by the name of Scotty. Now, I am not antagonistic towards bow ties. I wear them all the time. But you can't wear a bow tie and have your name be Scotty. You know who else goes by Scotty? My 8-year-old nephew. And as soon as he turns 10, he's going to drop the Y and become a man, plain and simple. Westbrook is an all-timer. I will not argue that at all. But the second greatest of all time? Come on, man. Yeah, he averages a triple-double and plays with the energy of the Tasmanian Devil. But the guy hasn't been to the conference finals since 2015 and is a literal stat patter. Westbrook is great, but he's not better than Curry, Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, or John Stockton. Just because Scotty Brooks still has a pencil protector in his pocket does not mean he needs to suck up to his players with outrageous statements like that just so he can finally be in the Cool Kids Club. Down in the Big Easy, New Orleans Pelicans phenom Zion Williamson has a fractured ring finger and is most likely done for the rest of the season. It's really not going to matter with four games left and New Orleans being three games back. After the incident, Pelicans GM David Griffin said it's the league's fault that Zion has a broken finger, saying, quote, quite frankly, he's injured because of the open season that there is on Zion Williamson in the paint. He has been absolutely mauled in the paint on a regular basis to the point where other players have said to him, I'm going to keep doing this to you because they don't call it. 
You're right, Griffin. Zion does keep getting hammered and slammed into. And yes, Zion does play a very rough and tumble style of basketball and bruises players down in the post. But he's not getting used and abused like Courtney Love. He shoots more free throws than anybody in the league besides Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Trey Young. So the numbers don't really support your argument. He gets the calls. Look, Zion is a huge human being. And yes, he is going to get pounded on when he drives to the basket. He's the product of a freight train on steroids that mated with William the Refrigerator Perry. The man's a behemoth. But to say that the league is the reason he broke his finger, that's a false cause. That's outlandish. That's like me getting mad at Netflix for watching a Melissa McCarthy movie. No, I'm the moron who decided to watch Thunder Force. I should pay the penalty for that crime. The same way Zion's going to pay the price for throwing his body at people like a raging bull. In baseball, future first ballot Hall of Famer Albert Pujols was reassigned by the Los Angeles Angels and is now open to offers from anyone else in the league who's looking to sign him. Pujols, of course, is one of the most steady and moral individuals the game of baseball has ever seen, as his machine-esque frame and muscular body have never before been linked to steroids or PED usage at all. Honestly, he's one of the most noble and moral players to ever play the game. In a related story, the Houston Astros were not one of the teams looking to sign Pujols, as all of their entire front office and most of their roster have all signed existential contracts with Satan, so probably not the best match. In other news, Pujols' former and current Chicago White Sox manager, Tony La Russa, was caught in a pickle earlier in the week when he openly admitted in a post-game press conference that he didn't know the new extra inning rule where teams now start the 10th with a man on second base. Larissa also stated in the call that he thought his team played very well against the Montreal Expos, and he was ecstatic about President Reagan's comments to tear down the Berlin Wall. In college football this week, Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher took to trolling when he said that he was absolutely certain he was going to take Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide out of the woodshed this season when the two teams face each other. I mean, he does have a point. Fisher has been at A&M for three years, and in that span, the score has progressively gotten worse with the tight outscoring the Aggies 144-75, including a 52-24 drubbing last season. In Fisher's eyes, though, he's got them right where he wants them. All that mediocrity has led right to this point. Saban jokingly responded back by saying that Jimbo was going to beat him in golf, but not on the football field, which I think that is great because it sparks a conversation and ignites the rivalry. But with that being said, I'm actually stunned there hasn't been more outrage from the loonies down in Tuscaloosa. How dare someone disrespect Lord Master Vader, sorry, Saban like that. Anytime anyone pushes against the tide, they lose their minds. And when they actually lose games, they throw fits like Veruca Assault. In 2012, after LSU won the field goal game, a Bama fan urinated on an unconscious Tiger fan. When Cam Newton came back to beat them for the SEC title, a fan literally poisoned the oak trees on Toomer's Corner, a school heirloom, and then bragged about it on national sports radio. And then a few years later, when Auburn won with a kick six, fans got the entire population of Tuscaloosa to sign a petition which they sent to Congress to disavow the outcome of the game. That's how ludicrous these fans are. And Jimbo Fisher has the audacity to talk smack to them before the game is even played? How has this man not called witness protection yet? If I was Jimbo Fisher, I would be doing everything in my power to contact John Wick as my personal bodyguard to protect me from the screw looses who wear a houndstooth hat. These people are crazy. Now, I am all about rivalries, Jimbo, but have you met those people in Alabama? 
They will come to your house and massacre your family with a John Deere tractor and a mouthful of snuff. And finally, on the back nine, Bryson DeChambeau had to be rushed back to Dallas, Texas to play the third and fourth rounds of the Wells Fargo Championship, which he actually finished in ninth. He originally left on Friday because he thought he missed the cut. It was the first time in human history that anybody actually made a mad dash to get to Wells Fargo. DeChambeau is obviously known for his powerful swing and happy Gilmore-esque drives, but following the mental lapse after signing a scorecard on Friday, he's beginning to look more and more like Mike Tyson. Big guns, cut physique, low IQ, it's all there. I'm not a doctor, but I think he might want to lay off the steroids, at least until the U.S. Open. And if he gets a face tattoo, this is getting a little scary. That's our show. I definitely will be back next week. Unlike Luka Doncic after his low blow in Cleveland.